Hello and welcome to another podcast episode. It's Thursday the 9th of January, February, March. March, let's get it right. I forget what month it is. 2023, I know the year, so that's good. It is 10 o'clock, a bit late starting, 10 o'clock today. And the weather, let's do the weather first. Rain all night, there's snow. Warning, amber warnings of snow for most of the country, but not down in the south and the southeast where I am. So that's good. It's six degrees at the moment, 42.8 Fahrenheit, 100% humidity. I suppose that's because it's raining. Mind you, sometimes when it rains, the humidity is quite low. So I've never understood that. I don't have to, though, do I? 993 millibars. The pressure has been quite high recently, but it seems to have gone low now. I'm just trying to prop up my notes here. If I can prop that bit of paper up, which it won't do, will it? Oh, oh hang on. It's worked. Okay, uh, what are we doing? Yes, uh, Suzanne, thanks for your idea. That's what I'm going to talk about today. Families in the 1950s, well, and the 60s. Um, one thing that does seem to intrigue people, I've been talking to people since uh, Suzanne's idea. Now, Trisha's dad... That's my wife, young Trisha, you know about her. He used to take his wage packet home on a Friday after work and he would give the wage packet to his wife, Trisha's mum. She would open it, count the money, make sure it tallies with the uh, amount written on the little brown envelope and then she'd give him a few pounds. She dealt with all the bills. She paid the mortgage, well, everything. I won't go through it all, like electricity bill, TV license, gas bill, (laughs) insurance. She dealt with everything. One reason was he did shift work. He was a train driver. He's passed away now, sadly. So he did shift work. You know, he could be working at night. He could be working on Sunday. So Trisha's mum dealt with all the bills. It worked out well. If he wanted any extra money, he'd just say, have you got another couple of quid for whatever? Going out for a beer with the lads, you know, and she'd do, do that. And it worked well. Other people, now my dad, if I remember back to the 50s and the 60s, he would bring his wage packet home on a Friday and he would give my mum housekeeping money. He kept the wage packet because he did all the bills. He did the mortgage, the gas, electricity, blah, blah, blah. Oh, come on to uh, electricity and gas meters in a minute, Ray, if you're listening. So I remember, do you know when I first went to work? I was 15. Apprentice radio and television engineer, 15 years old. I mean, I was a child. (laughs) Well, not quite, but you know. Well, legally, I suppose I was. I'm not sure that it was legal to go to work. But anyway, in those days, no one bothered about that. No one bothered about legalities or anything. Just, do you want a job? Yeah, how old are you? 15? Oh, that'll do. (laughs) So I remember on my first day there on Monday, I got there at half eight. At 10 o'clock, I, I know, chap was showing me how you repair tellies and I was getting well into it. Ten o'clock, one of the lads said, right, let's go. I'm looking around, you know, people all getting together. Where are we going? They were saying, come on, right, where are we going? Oh, you'll see. We went over the cafe for breakfast. Apparently, not every morning, but quite a few mornings in the week, they go over at ten o'clock. The boss went out on his calls, mending tellies, selling tellies, whatever he did, and everyone piled over the cafe. So we're in the cafe... They're ordering, you know, egg and chips for me, egg and, no, egg and bacon, whatever. Yeah, some did have chips, egg and chips. So uh, they bought me breakfast, and I'm thinking, this is great, this is my first day at work, I like this. <laughs> the old man, 
that's the owner of the, the company, the old man in the end, he, he went round to post a letter once more in the letterbox and he looked in the calf and there's us lot in there having breakfast at 10 in the morning. Anyway, he told the service manager who then went mental. He used to go ballistic, absolutely ballistic and he used to swear but shout. <laughs> he was a great, but I got on with him actually. I quite liked him and he liked me, which I don't quite know why. But anyway, in the calf one morning, they were talking about the older chaps, you know, they bought a house, they had a mortgage, they got married. And one of them was saying something about paying his mortgage. I can't remember how it started. And this other chap said, um, well, you don't tell your wife how much you earn, do you? And he said, well, no, of course I don't. And that happened quite a lot back then in the 50s, the 60s. The man, he was the breadwinner. He was the earner. He didn't always tell his wife what he earned. There's the housekeeping. In fact, when I first got married... I get home on a Friday with my wage packet. Everyone seemed to have these little brown envelopes. That was their wage packet. We all had the same. And on the front was was the your gross earnings, your your tax, your national insurance, and then the net sort of money you get in the envelope if there was anything left. If you're lucky, yeah, you open it. And there's a, a ten shilling note and a pound note. Oh, is that it? <laughs> That's it. hello, Morse code, stone the crows. Right. So I I would give you know, my wife housekeeper I remember it was 10 pounds a week that was in 1976 10 pounds a week then I paid all the bills I did everything it's the other way around now Trish pays all the bills because I can't I can't be bothered with all no it's not that I'm lazy you know what I mean there's uh, well there's not the mortgage anymore we've done all that but in the old days the mortgage the gas bill the electricity bill she She's better at, you know, she's not better at paying them. It's easy to pay them in the old days, just write out a cheque. And then it was bank transfer and stuff. But now she still does the bills because she's more organised than me. I think that's the way to put it. She's far more organised than I am. You know, I'd forget the electricity, but what's this? Oh, we've got a red letter here. Pay up or else. Oh dear, yeah, I forgot the electricity bill. Whereas Trish does it all properly. <laughs> you don't find that difficult to believe, do you? Not at all. So that's the way the wages worked. But it's, isn't it funny to think that very often the husband didn't tell his wife how much he earned. He'd give her the housekeeping and that was it. He paid the bills. If she wanted pocket money, I mean, it depended on the husband. Of course, if she wanted some clothes, she might say, you know, have you got a fiver? And he'd, he'd give her that. But quite a few wives would have a part-time job. Well, I say quite a few, not that many, actually, because they had children. I'm going to come on to that in a minute. The wife's role in the family, the husband's role in the family, and the children, of course. So, yes, very often that's the way it was. The man would give the wife the housekeeping money on a Friday, and that was it. I'm just going to go on briefly now to Ray. Um, <clears throat> hello, Ray. Ray said... What was a rebate in the old days? The man would come round to, this is for the people that had a like a coin slot meter for the electricity and a coin slot thing for the gas meter. A race says, what was this rebate? You'd get a rebate. The man would come round to empty it and he'd sit at the kitchen table. I don't remember this because we didn't have slot meters, but I do know people that did have. He'd sit at the kitchen table and he'd count out the money put the shilling coins or two bob bits in piles pound piles and then he'd say right that's it this is the amount for the gas or the electricity and there's three pounds over and he'd slide that over the table to the, to the housewife that's yours that's your rebate 
why were there rebates? I think, Ray, because the meters always charged a little bit more than the actual price of the gas or electricity. I think the idea was if prices went up unexpectedly or whatever, suddenly, then they could adjust it when they emptied the meter because otherwise you've got to go around to every single meter and adjust the coin slot mechanism. If it was, I don't know, say it's a, a shilling for so much electricity or two bob for so much electricity, you could adjust the, the tariff, if you like, the rate, how much you'd get for that by adjusting the, the coin slot mechanism. And I suppose if it went up, I mean, you can't rush around everyone's house and change the, the mechanism. So I think that's why they did that. And the same, I remember in the 60s when I did the tellies, on the back of rental TVs, not everyone bought a telly in those days, you'd rent your telly, and on the back, you'd have a slot meter. So you're watching halfway through Peyton Place, and the telly would go off. Yeah, what's happened? Oh, anyone got two bob? And you'd have to put this in the meter, turn the thing, ka-ching, and the telly would come back on. <laughs> and once a month or whenever, the telly man would go around emptying the meters, and sometimes you get a rebate, you know, if it overcharged slightly. That That's what that was all about. But yeah, a lot of people, they preferred a meter like that because you didn't have a bill coming in. You didn't have a bill at the end of the quarter. Like, oh, what's this? Oh, 23 quid for electricity. Oh my, am I going to pay that? You know, you just bung your money in the slot. And of course, if you didn't have the money, you don't have electricity. You don't have gas. <laughs> that was the way it was back then. If you haven't got the money... <laughs> You don't have electricity. You don't have the telly on. Which I suppose, I don't know, in a way it was... You, you couldn't get into debt. That was the idea, I think. So that's what that was all about, Ray. I've written snow here. Yeah, we've got warnings today. Where is it now? It's half ten. There's um, big snow, gale-force winds coming in. They reckon going to cause blizzards up north and across into Wales. We seem to be very lucky down on the coast here. We don't get any extremes. I think I've said before, we're just south of the South Downs on the coast. Daughter number two lives over the other side of the Downs. She's got snow. Her kids love it. They've got snow up there. We haven't. In the summer, she'll phone and she'll say, stone the crows. Well, she doesn't say, <laughs> she doesn't say stone the crows. But if she did, she'd say, stone the crows. It's hot up here. It's about 90 Fahrenheit. And we'd say, oh, we're, we're just below freezing here. Well, not quite that extreme. But they get a lot hotter in the summer than we do and more snow and a lot colder in the winter. Because I think here down on the coast, yeah, we're protected by the South Downs and we're also in a slight bay. If you look up Worthing on the map, there you go. Go to Google Maps or whatever you use, type in Worthing. There's a Worthing in the Caribbean somewhere. So you don't want that one because it is quite hot there. <laughs> Worthing, south coast of England. So, yeah, that was it. I've done slot meters. Thanks for all, all your emails about the Ice Age. Links, uh, YouTube video links and uh, emails all about the Ice Age. Very interesting. It's not at all what I thought it was. I thought it was like minus 50 all over the world and everything died. But apparently not. Bob, hello, Bob. You know, I've been talking about raising uh, a raised vegetable border. It's coming on well. Well, it was. Then it got very cold. Then we have frost. And I'm trying to get out just to finish building it. But uh, Bob was saying, where, where are you, Bob? California, isn't it? I think. He was saying that 
They've got bugs and all sorts of things. Well, so we've got slugs and snails. I've tried growing lettuces. I don't bother anymore because the, the lettuces are doing well. You go out one morning, they've been eaten. You know, there's all fat slugs and snails where they've all OD'd on lettuce leaves. And it's just a waste of time. I don't want to put slug pellets down because we've got hedgehogs and other wildlife, frogs and toads. I don't want to kill them. So, yes, the raised vegetable garden, as Bob says, it's going to cost a lot to build something on legs. I suppose that's the answer, Bob. Build it up on legs, and then you can put something around the legs to stop the creepy crawlies going up them. Uh, the, my raised border is bricks, so they will still crawl up the outside, but um, I'm, I've got a little way of stopping that. I won't go into that now. The main reason for the raised border is because it was the 14 foot long brick rabbit hutch and I didn't want to knock it all down. Plus, if my back hurts if I bend over for too long, my knee hurts if I kneel down for too long. So I thought, well, a raised border, I can just stand there or I can get a chair and sit there. Oh, I do sound old. How about having to have a chair to sit down to potter about in your garden? Good grief. That does sound old, doesn't it? So yes, that's it, Bob. If you can get a sort of raised border of some sort, it would be good. I don't know whether you can hear that bashing about, can you? Probably not. That's Gary, the tortoise. He's out of hibernation. He can't go in the garden. He wants to go in the garden, but he can't. It's pouring with rain and it's freezing cold. So we've got him in the room next to mine here. He's got everything in there. He's even got a tray full of grass, a turf, you know, growing grass. He's got a big thing of water. He's got food. He's got his heat lamp. There's all sorts of, you know, I mean, Trish has gone over the top in there. He lives in a mansion. In, he lives better than we do. But he want, we have this every year after hibernation. He's ready to go out into the garden and he can't. We try and get him to hibernate later and later each year. But of course, he gets to the stage, it must be his body clock, where he just wants to hibernate. Anyway, that explains, if you can hear it, bashing about I think he's trying to break the door down it'll be the great escape in a minute just going back to those tv slot meters sometimes they jam up they go wrong so the tv engineer or whoever would the, the meter emptying man I think he could do it he'd bring the old meters in that were 40 and we'd repair them in the workshop now the thing is the fault was normally that a two shilling piece was jammed in the slot or a couple of them were jammed in the slot so whenever there were meters to be repaired, there was a mad rush to get to them because you make a little profit as a good little owner. You know, you might have 10 meters to do and you might make a quid out of it, a pound. So that was quite good. And when you think that cigarettes, or what were cigarettes back then? I don't know, two shillings for 20, something like that. You get a two bob bid out of the meter, put that in your pocket. No one seemed to bother. I mean, the boss knew, I suppose they thought, well, it should have gone really to the rental thing, shouldn't it? The rental man. We had a, a man in an office. I remember him. What was his name? I can't remember his name. He used to sit in this office and he had a lady helper in there, his secretary. And he'd deal with all the rentals, all the rental payments and the money and everything. But he used to smoke literally like a chimney. You'd go into that office and it was a thick bluish haze. Well, not a haze, smog. It was dreadful. No, I just, she didn't smoke. His secretary, she must have, I don't know. Well, she did smoke in effect. 
I used to think, and the other lads used to say, you know, it's surprising she doesn't smoke because she must be addicted to nicotine. The room was permanently full of smoke. No window open, the door shut, and it wasn't a large room. Anyway, that's another thing. Everyone smoked back then, including me. I was glad when I gave that up. But yes, we used to repair the TV meters and make a little little profit out of that, which was quite a nice little earner. Of course, that would pay for breakfast over the calf. <laughs> now, let's just go back to the, the families in the 50s. That's what this is meant to be all about. 50s and 60s, I suppose. In the 50s, male and female, was gender is the word these days, isn't it? Gender roles were meant so much more. They were more defined, I suppose, back in those days. Especially in the case of husbands and wives. The husband was the breadwinner. The male, the man, he was the breadwinner. He went out to work. He earned the money. He did maintenance on the house, of course, things like that. He sometimes did gardening if he was into that. But he was the breadwinner. His job was to bring the money in. His wife, she was the homemaker. Now, I've got an email here from Justin. I'm going to read in a minute. He, she was the homemaker. She was the housewife, the mother, the cook. That was her job. That was her role in the family unit. So he paid all the bills. She didn't have to worry about that. He gave her housekeeping money. If she wanted money for her own bits and pieces, I suppose that was included in the housekeeping money. He made the major decisions in the household. He decided what they were doing and when and whether they could afford new furniture, whether they were going to move house or not. Because don't forget, back in those days, it was his house. He had the mortgage in his name. The house was in his name. Nothing to do with his wife at all. It was all his. Everything was down to him. If she didn't like it, if she wanted to get divorced, to leave him, to go off with someone else, or if he was seeing someone else and she didn't like it, he had some woman on the side. <laughs> Goodness me, perish the thought. Then he would say to her, well, look, if you don't like it, you know, go. Bye. And all she could do was pack her suitcase and go, because it was all his. The house was his. The furniture, everything was his. And of course, if she had children and she wanted to take them as well, where could she go? Perhaps she could go to her mum's, her mum and dad's. Basically, you couldn't leave your husband in those days, not unless you had a lot of money or you're running off with some chap that didn't mind you bringing your kids with you. And he had plenty of money and room for everyone. So it was all down... To, I mean, when you look back now, when I think back, it was awful, really, wasn't it? Now, just briefly on Justin's email, he says... Because I mentioned this Wednesday on the midweek message. Do you remember that I was going to talk about this? And I've heard from Justin. And he says, isn't it the case that back in the 50s and maybe the 60s, the wife, the housewife, the mother, the cook, was simply a, a paid housekeeper? She was just some woman there that acted as a nanny. Justin's words, not mine. She was the nanny. She was the cook. She was the housekeeper. She did the shopping. And the, the chap just employed her. Uh, a baby machine, if he wanted kids. He was there. I won't put what Justin's put, but you know, when he needed certain things, she was there for that. And that's all she was. She was some sort of paid skivvy I suppose that's another word of Justin's I'm reading here it's a good point Justin I mean it wasn't always like that at all I do know of situations when I got older in the 60s I do know of families that were like that 
the uh, well chained the the expression was the housewife was chained to the kitchen sink that was an expression back then you're chained to the kitchen sink yes the wife she was responsible for managing the home looking after the children she had to keep the house clean organized cook the meals do the washing the washing up everything all the children's needs basically her role was well yes housekeeper the children well they were expected to do as they're told that you obey your parents you know if they said don't do that then you don't do that well you do but when they're not looking (laughs) Uh, children they had to follow the rules they had jobs to do you know you have to help with the washing up the wiping one would wash one would wipe as they got older wipe up the dishes and all that stuff and they were given other responsibilities as they got older boys I think back then they had more freedom than girls I mean obviously parents didn't want their 14 year old daughters wandering off downtown on their own because they're probably going to meet a boy which is a bit is that sexist but if their 14 year old son wandered off downtown on his own and he met girls that was fine that was all right I mean that's something else that well that is still weird today I find that odd if a boy has loads of girlfriends, then amongst his mates, oh, look at old Fred, look, he's brilliant. How many girls has he had now? If a girl does it, then she's a, well, I don't know, some word or other, Jezebel or something. So, yes, there were duties that children had. They, I think very often the older brother would look after the sister. I remember my sister, I remember someone wanted to go out with her and I didn't like him and I, I can't remember his name. I told him to clear off, which he did. She eventually married my brother-in-law, of course. (laughs) Well, he wasn't my brother-in-law at the time, but he was once they got married. But he worked with me. We worked together when we were 16. And they got together. She was still at school. And uh, they ended up getting engaged. They got married, bought the house, 2.4 children and all that stuff. So that was good. But yeah, parents had the, the final say in everything, especially the dad. He made all the major decisions. I think what is a bit sad, I do remember my mum saying to my dad, I'd ripped my jeans. And she said to my dad, oh, he's ripped his jeans. He needs new jeans. You know, have you got money for that? And I remember him saying, oh, I thought jeans were meant to last a long time. You know, they don't rip easily, you know. And he said to me, how do you do that? Well, I I don't know. I fell over on some building site somewhere. As you do when you're a boy of, what, 12 years old. I ripped my jeans and he was, shouldn't be ripping your jeans. Well, of course I ripped my jeans. That's what jeans are for. They're there to be ripped. (laughs) Another thing about the 50s and the 60s, back then the bills were basic. It was mortgage or rent, whichever you had, gas, electricity, rates. We had rates then instead of what they call poll tax now. Insurance, house insurance. That, That was it. Petrol, if you had a car, repairs tax for your car that that was sort of it whereas these days there's so much more to pay for we didn't have to pay for a mobile phone we didn't have to pay for tv netflix sky virgin all this stuff broadband wi-fi all this extra amount of bills that come in we just didn't have any of that back then as i say it was basic a handful of bills gas electricity rental mortgage blah 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 and that was it no cable TV, no satellite dish on your house, none of that. So things were a lot easier, even though I don't know how the money, how wages were then compared to now. Are people better off now? Well, no, they're not better off now, are they? 
do they earn more now than they did then? Relatively, I know they do, obviously. You don't take home three pounds a week now. <laughs> three pounds a week. My first job as an apprentice, I was 15, I took home two pound ten shillings, which is two pound fifty p. How about that? I gave the ten shilling note to my mum and I kept the two quid. And that two quid lasted me all week. That bought me my breakfast over the calf. <laughs> oh dear. I remember going to the local pub. What was it called? The Central Hotel. It was a pub. Go over there, lunchtime, pint of mild and egg and chips. And that was about one and sixpence or something stupid. And my two quid, no trouble, lasted all week. And I'd go out for a few beers with the lads. Yeah, happy days. There we are. As I've said in previous podcasts, not many people went abroad on holiday. Like us, most families didn't have a great deal of money. We'd have a caravan holiday in Wales or you know, Somerset, stay with the aunt and uncle there. A caravan down Devon, somewhere down the West Country. And that was it. That was your major holiday of the year, perhaps just for a week. Hire a caravan on some site. <laughs> but it was great fun. I think these days, as I said, there are so many extra bills People want to go abroad. They want to do this. They want to do that. In those days, there was one car. If any cars, not every family had a car. But if you had a car, it was one. You didn't have one for the dad, one for the mum. The kids have got one each. You know, four car family. No, no way. You were lucky if you had a one car family, let alone a a load of cars. So again, a lot of extra expense these days because a lot of families have got two cars between them. And then, of course, as I say, the kids grow up. Oh, I want a car. All right, then go on. (laughs) So it all gets hugely expensive these days. People want to go abroad. People don't want to go just down to Spain for a week like we did on a package holiday. That was in the 70s. They don't want to do that. No, no, we want to go to America for a month. We, (laughs) We want to go to Australia for a few weeks. And it cost thousands and thousands of pounds. So we didn't have that expense either. A holiday was... Well, relative term, to extremely cheap. A caravan in Wales for a week, I don't know what it cost, next to nothing compared to holidays these days. And as I was saying the other day about growing your own vegetables, everyone, well not everyone, but most people, majority of people, grew their own vegetables, runner beans, broad beans, French beans, peas, all sorts. I remember my dad growing black currants, raspberries, strawberries, gooseberries. How about that? Gooseberry bush. I used to go down there and eat them, sit amongst the rows of gooseberry bushes and eat them (laughs) when I was a kid. That was good fun. If they didn't have a garden, you'd have an allotment. There was, listen to that tortoise. Do you know I call him DN for short? Damn nuisance, that's what he is. (laughs) You're a damn nuisance, settle down. I'll put you in the microwave. (laughs) No, I wouldn't do that, would I? I said to Trish when he was coming out of hibernation, we could always warm him up in the microwave for a few seconds. (laughs) I wouldn't do that. We love him to bit. Listen to him banging about. I've told him he can't go outside. It is very, very cold. It's hugely cold out there and it is lashing with... I've a good mind to put him on the lawn and say, well, there you are. Look, now you're outside. Now what do you want to do? Well, I want to go back inside. Yeah, told you. So, yes, a lot of people had allotments and they still do these days, actually. We know one or two people that have got allotments. The trouble is with that, you've got to go there and I don't know I'd far rather grow stuff in the garden but for people that don't have a garden an allotment is ideal and I remember people going off on their bike you know dads would go off on their bike to their allotment they'd have a basket on the front with a 
load of stuff in they wanted to plant or they come back with a load of goodies that they'd grown like uh, cauliflower, cabbage, sprouts. Remember sprouts in the winter? All this stuff people grew. And of course, as I, I did I say recently as well, I keep repeating myself. They're talking on the telly now about, oh, you can't get tomatoes. Well, that's because there's been all this bad weather in Europe, in Spain and Portugal, where they grow tomatoes. They haven't got tomatoes either. I mean, they're not totally out of stock of tomatoes everywhere. You know, Trish still buys tomatoes from various places. But back in those days, you didn't have tomatoes in the winter. You had seasonal crops in the winter. You'd have cabbage, sprouts and whatever in the summer. Tomatoes, strawberries. You, know, you didn't have stuff all year round. Stuff that's all forced grown somewhere. And tomato doesn't, you can't tell the difference between the taste of a strawberry and a tomato because they're all horrible. But there we are. That's something else people did. Grew a lot of their own food to save money. Anything like that to save money. They chop up wood for kindling. I mean, these days you've got a coal fire. You go and buy kindling wood. Well, I don't. I chop up my own. They sell kindling wood, don't they? These little strips of wood. And it's hugely expensive. You buy bags of wood, logs. I mean, it's mental. You know, the price, that tortoise, I'm going to go and tell him off again. Can you hear him banging around? Gary, behave yourself. Stop it. Stop it. He's gone quiet now. He heard me. I don't think they've got ears. They can't hear anything. No, they obviously can't because he's still banging around. Okay, why do they change the name of pubs? That, uh, I told you, I went out for lunch the other day with Trish and some friends. It was always known as the Royal Coach in Shoreham. The Royal Coach. We all knew that. Now it's the Longshore. No one's ever heard of it. I'll meet you at the Longshore. What's that? Is that like Long Beach in California? No, it was the Royal Coach pub. Why they changed names, I just don't understand. Anyway, that's about it for families back then. Of course, there was one last thing, there was home cooking. You know, the mum, the housewife, the mother, she would do all the, she was the cook, baking of pies and things like that. It was, it was really nice. You had proper, decent food, not some, you know, junk bought from the supermarket, some processed sort of mush with a bit of pastry on, they called a pie. <laughs> I have often thought, it would be great to be able to take kids of today back to then and have a meal, have real food, you know, not this tasteless filth they serve up these days. No, no, I can't call it tasteless filth. Well, a lot of it is. It's not filth, but it's tasteless. It's just bland, nothing, nothingness. Back then we had proper food. Mums would make cheese flans and pies and puddings and all sorts of stuff. And we were all thin, there we are. I'm not thin. Actually, I'm losing weight. I don't know why we were all thin back then. Probably because we didn't keep eating junk from the local supermarket or wherever. But I am still losing weight, which is good. Uh, we're not going to the club on Friday this week. We're going on Saturday because we're going with Trisha's sister and her husband. They want to come along with us and they can't do Friday. So we're going to go Saturday. So that'll be good. I should only have one or two beers because I'm still on my diet which is sort of working. Okay, where are we? Half an hour into this. What else can I go on about the good old days when I was a boy? Yes, thanks for all your emails. Raiserants at protonmail.com if you want to moan at me or have a go about anything. Thanks also. Thanks to you, Nick, for the photograph. Nick, up in the very, very, very top of the Shetland Islands, kind of just down the road from Iceland in the North Pole. 
sent me photos. Snow. Good grief. Loads of <laughs> loads of snow up there, Nick. I don't know. Anyone else got pictures of snow? Send them in to me. It'd be great to have a look. Don't forget your MP3s if you want to say anything. I know a few of you had. You know, you've sent me audio recordings, which has been good. I'm still aiming. I got Trish earlier because I'm still aiming to interview my sister-in-law, Trisha's sister, because she was the nurse. And I want to ask her about nursing back in the old, you know, back in the 40s. <laughs> She's not that old. She wasn't born till the 60s. But I want to talk to her. And I said to Trish, look, sit here, the other side of my, dare I mention, pine table. Sorry, I mentioned the word pine table. And I did a quick interview with her. I've deleted it because it was just mucking about. And I was just trying to get the effect how two voices one each side of the microphone worked and it worked well so I want to get my sister-in-law sitting here with me and I can say right back in the good old day when you were a young girl in the 30s <laughs> and I'll probably get a slap around the face did you have a Hattie Jakes type carry-on film matron that you were all terrified or petrified look out here comes matron now we're in trouble that's when they trained at hospitals rather than at university which I think was better. When I was in hospital, when I was 14, that would be 1960, what? Uh, 1965. Yeah, because I went to work in 66 when I was 15. Yeah, I ripped my liver open. I fell off my bike, ripped my liver in half. Well, I don't know about it in half, but I ripped it, I ruptured it. That was the, the medical term. I ruptured my liver. I was in hospital two weeks, 50-50. So I might not have been here doing this now, you see, if it had gone the other way. Funny, we talked about that recently, didn't we? Ifs and buts, what if this, but for that, what happened if I hadn't gone there and done this and that? All very strange. So, yes, I remember the hospital then, Ward 4, Worthing Hospital, Ward 4, Men's Surgical. There was a bit of a debate, apparently, whether to put me on the children's ward or the men's, because I was 14, I was an in-betweeny. And we had a matron there, well, she was a bit severe. Good grief, she was very severe. <laughs> I think I told you about having my stitches. Oh, no, I won't tell you that. I've told you before. You might be having a dinner or something. So, yes, it would be nice to interview her about nursing in the, well, I say the old days, that would be, when was she? She was born in 60-something. So she would have been, no, she would have been a nurse started in the 80s, I suppose. But even that is going back. You know, I'd like to find a, a lady or a man, of course, that was a nurse in the 50s and 60s. That would be good. Perhaps she knows of someone. I should have to interrogate her. I mean, interview her. <laughs> interrogate her. Happy days. As a child in the 50s, when you finished your meal at the dinner table, you'd have to say, please, may I get down? And they'd say, very often, mum would say, no, wait till we've all finished. Or, yes, OK, you can. Put your plate in the sink. There was discipline. There were rules that had to be followed. You didn't just finish your meal, push your plate to one side and wander off to watch telly. It didn't work like that. You had to do it all properly. And I remember my grandparents, they were even not strict. It's not, that's not the word, not strict, but whatever the word is. They were more, is it protocol or whatever they, I don't know what to call it. You didn't ask. You didn't ask to get down from the table until everyone had finished. If people are still eating, you didn't say, please may I get down? Because they'd say, well, no, because people are still eating. You know, your grandfather's still eating. You don't just wander off. 
and you had to do knives and forks and things properly. They, my grandparents were weird. <laughs> That's probably why I'm rather strange. It's hereditary <laughs> weirdness. No, they were, I don't know, they, they thought they were, they had sort of delusions of grandeur. They thought they were rather posh and they weren't. They weren't posh at all. They used to speak posh, don't you know? And they weren't posh. They put it on. I remember my grandmother saying, could you pass the margarine? We'd look at each other. What's margarine? Oh, she means margarine. Margarine? That's stupid. <laughs> I don't know. Why pretend to be something you're not? We'd be walking along the street. When I was, what, eight years old? If I, you know, I stayed with them sometimes, which I didn't like. And she'd say, oh, look, here comes Mrs. Cooper. Now, say... Good morning, Mrs. Cooper. How do you do? And I'd have to say, good morning, Mrs. Cooper. How do you do? <laughs> it was all very much like that back then. Of course, this is the 50s, isn't it? And I remember she used to make me wear a berry. Do you remember berries? Like Frank Spencer. I like Frank Spencer. And I used to fiddle. There's a little bobble thing in the middle, wasn't there? A little bit of wool or something sticking out. And I was sitting on the bus pulling this. And she, don't do that, dear. <laughs> like that record. Do you remember that record? Was it? Oh, Joyce Grenfell's. Don't do that, George. I don't know what George was doing. Something dreadful to the girl next to him, I suspect. Don't do that, George. Anyway, that reminds me of our biology teacher, science master. At school. I won't go into that. Put it away, Smith. <laughs> we all looked at Smith. And uh, anyway, moving on swiftly. There's quite a bit of talk at the moment in Britain about kids having free school meals all children, regardless of family, whether they're rich or poor, everyone, free school meals. And there's, some people are saying, oh, yes, it should be the case. It should be, you know, kids shouldn't starve. The thing is, back in the 50s, there were free school meals. I remember taking my dinner money in and the teacher would do the register and she collect whatever it was, half a crown, which is two and sixpence in the old days. Do you remember half a crown? They were nice, nice big coin, half a crown. It felt like you got some real money if you had half a crown in your hand. And some kids didn't pay. They didn't have to pay half a crown because they had free school meals. They were perhaps from poorer families that couldn't afford it. So there was all this stuff going on back then. But now some people want all children to have free school meals. I mean, it sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds great. But the thing is, someone's got to pay for it. That's the trouble. Someone has to pay for things somewhere. It's no good saying, let's have everything free. It would be lovely, wouldn't it? But someone has to pay for it somewhere. Also, back then, there were there were free... You know our national health system? I'm saying that for people outside of the UK. Our national health system. Back when I was at school, if a child needed glasses and he his parents didn't have a great deal of money he would have national health glasses. I've still got this cough. I don't know why it won't go away. We need some proper summer. Still got a bit of a sore throat. So the national health glasses, they weren't that good looking really. I mean, they weren't trendy or anything, obviously, but they were glasses. He's banging around again. I thought he'd stopped. Same with hearing aids. Can you hear that banging? I have to go and check him in a minute. Same with hearing aids. You had a little earpiece in your ear and then on your blazer pocket, you'd have the the battery thing on the amplifier, little microphone thing on the front of this uh, box. It was pink, I think. The glasses were pink. The hearing aids were pink. And it was obvious it was national health. But it was free. You know, the parents didn't have to pay. So there were a lot of sort of welfare benefits or whatever back then. Of course, going back 
well, way before my time, there weren't benefits. If you, if the father of the family, or the dad, the breadwinner, if he lost his job, that was it. You didn't get any money. You didn't get any money from the state or anything like that. Well, it's like before, was it Bevan introduced the National Health, was Neville Bevan, was it? The National Health Service. Before that, you had to pay to go to the doctor. You had to pay for all your medical stuff. And if your kids were ill and you didn't have any money, well, they stayed ill. And sometimes, presumably, they died. You heard that, didn't you? I'm going to have to go and check him in a minute. He really is. Gary, that's it. I'll put you on eBay. I'm going to make a cup of coffee. I'll have to slurp my coffee, won't I? <laughs> for those that want to hear me slurping. I'm going to make some coffee and sort Gary out. We've got a camera in Gary's room so we can have a look, see what he's up to when we're downstairs. He just wants to go outside. That's all it is. I might take him out in a minute. It's stopped raining. It's not that warm, but I might just plonk him on the grass to show him what it is like out there. Perhaps that'll change his mind. I've had a word with him and he's in a bit of a mood. He's sulking. There we are. Got my coffee. Gary's okay. Trish is out shopping. It's nearly 12 o'clock now, nearly lunchtime. She's gone out shopping with number three daughter. They've gone together, so that's good. I get a bit of peace and quiet here to do the podcast. She's also picking up a length of waste pipe for me from B&Q. That's the, for those outside the country. It's a kind of hardware store or whatever. A length of waste pipe because I'm putting some drain holes in my raised border because it was the rabbit hutch place. It's got a concrete floor and I filled it with soil. And of course, it's going to fill up with water. So I've had to drill... 40 millimeter holes in the front and I'm going to bung bits of waste pipe in there so Trish it's quite good actually we were in bed last night and I said I need some waste pipe it's right next door to the supermarket this uh this place to buy waste pipe and I said if you do it on your phone (laughs) you can pick it up tomorrow and she did and she's done paid for it and all sorts talking of paying for it this is another thing back in the the 50s the normally it was the man that dealt with the money as I've said very often it was the woman but normally the man dealt with the money but they didn't have separate bank accounts recently a friend of mine said oh you took my took the other half out for breakfast and my treat I paid for her and I don't understand that because we don't pay for each other we pool all the money it goes into the bank or wherever we put it down the pub (laughs) Only a little bit of it down the pub. But we don't have our own money. It's our money. All of it is our money. It doesn't matter who earned it or where it came from. That's the way we work. But, um, and I know a lot of people that do this, they have their own money. That's the wife's money. That's the husband's money. They have separate bank accounts. I don't don't think I could work like that. I've never worked like that. Well, I say that once we got his banging again. When I first got married, I would deal with all the bills. I think we had a joint bank account. Yeah, we did. We had a joint bank account. Uh, There was one checkbook that either of us could use. So, yeah, it was a joint bank account. And it's always been our money. I I can't understand having separate bank accounts. That just doesn't seem right to me. But there we are. We're all different, aren't we? Which is just as well. Something that's just come to mind. I recently bought a new uh, radio, my amateur radio type thing transmitter receiver thing 1200 pounds now all my friends have got these i'm the only one that didn't have one no not really but several people i know have got them and they've said they're very good so i said to trish how's the money doing 
yeah, can we afford 1,200 quid for this radio? And she said, yeah, that's, that's all right, that's fine, go ahead and buy it. So we do consult each other. You know, if I want to buy something for 20 quid, I just order it online. I don't say, can I spend 20 quid? But 1,200 is a bit different. And she's off to Butlins with some, I think she's going about three times this year with some, was it a, a girl's thing and a, a family thing, all the daughters and sisters and what? <laughs> I, I'm not going, thank goodness I'm not going. Again, she'll say, right, uh, I've got a book Butlins. It's going to cost so many hundred pounds. Yeah, that's fine. So it's all, I don't know, we just work together so well. I think that's, if the money was left to me, yes, I would do it properly. I would pay the bills. I know I said earlier that I'd probably mess it up. No, I mean, I have done it in the past. When first baby came along, you know, I was the only breadwinner. Um, and I had mortgage, mother, son, all to pay for, all down to me. It was fine. I did it all. We weren't always loaded. We weren't able to go to Australia for a three-month holiday (laughs) or a world cruise for six months. But it all worked out somehow. Just to reiterate some of the bits and pieces about the 50s, women, their employment opportunities were sort of almost non-existent. Well, let's say limited. Um, They didn't have much of a choice. They basically went into secretarial work. I remember a lot of young women went to college to do typing but mainly the schools now my school for example it wasn't a grammar school it was a secondary modern school for boys sorry I've got a bit of a cold again don't know where I keep getting this from ridiculous my school churned out factory workers we had the metal workshop with lathes milling machines welding the wood workshop so it was basically churning out factory or would-be factory workers. My sister's school, all-girls school, they were churning out would-be housewives, domestic science, learning how to cook, to sew, to knit, all that sort of thing, washing, ironing. Basically, they were training them to be housewives. And it was, I was going to say, expected. Well, it was almost expected that when a girl left school at 16, very few went on to further education, she would get married. I remember a chap at work in the 60s, his daughter was coming up to 16 and he was moaning. She wanted to go on to further education. I forget what she wanted to do, it was some career thing. And he was saying, oh, we were hoping she was going to get married. He didn't like it at all. I remember another couple I knew, they wanted grandchildren and they weren't happy when their daughter went on to college to do whatever secretarial course or was it Pittman shorthand and typing and all that sort of thing. Some women, when they did get married, they did have a job, but they were menial jobs, I suppose, cleaning. My mum was a cleaner at the school. I think Trisha's mum was, uh, I can't remember, I think she did cleaning somewhere. That was just to get a little bit of money for themselves so they didn't have to keep running to the, you know, to the husband, I suppose. I don't know. It was all very, very different then. And of course, if a woman did have a, a a pretty good job, she was paid less than her male equivalent, someone doing the same job. Mind you, that's happening today, isn't it? I don't think that's changed a lot. Women do seem to be paid less. As I said earlier, the main role of the girl leaving school was to get married, become a housewife, a homemaker, a mother, and not go to work. I must admit, getting in from school at, what, four, quarter past four in the afternoon, 
My mum was there. It was great. I wasn't one of these, what do they call them, latchkey kids. My mum was there. She'd make me a jam sandwich and a glass of orange juice. I'd go out to the garden if it was the summertime. Fantastic. Nice to have mum there, I suppose. Whereas I did know friends whose mothers were at work and they'd get home. No one there. Make their own glass of orange, make their own sandwich or whatever they wanted. And they were perhaps on their own till, I don't know, six o'clock when parents got in from work. Women, I think, also were having children younger, obviously, because they left school, got married, had children. Whereas these days, a lot of women are leaving it to, what, late 20s, early 30s. What are your thoughts on the 50s and 60s, the male and female role, the kids, uh, discipline, manners at the table was it manners manners maketh man respect your elders and betters i was told that you must respect your elders and betters i never understand why they were better than me some of them weren't some of the old people were rude they still are you queuing up say at the post office and you get some old person come and barge into the front they think they're sort of privileged or something because they're old i don't know Got to end it here. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed rambling on to you. Yeah, I've got this cold. Goodness knows. I think this is the third cold in as many weeks. I had that weird cough and sore throat. That disappeared. Then I had a bit of a cold. That disappeared. And now I've got this. I don't know what's going on. Probably lack of alcohol. I probably need some late nights, plenty of alcohol, uh, pub crawls and going around nightclubs. Is that the answer to you? No, that would probably kill me. Anyway, raise rants at protonmail.com. Great to hear from you. Take care and I will see you on Wednesday. Bye-bye for now.